John chapter 9, verses 18, 19, 20, and 21. I read in Jesus' name, But the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind, and received his sight, until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. Amen. With the help of the Lord, I want to preach on a message entitled, What did Jesus do for you? Or, speak for yourself. What did Jesus do for you? Amen. Speak for yourself. What did Jesus do for you? Amen. We know the background of this story. The blind man in this story was born blind. Now just think about that for a moment. It's a very disconcerting thought. It could happen, could have happened to any one of us. He was born blind. Now notice that the apostles asked the Lord, whether the man was born blind due to his own sins or that of his parents. When I thought about what they said, it struck me for the first time that the apostles didn't make sense in asking the Lord, is this man born blind because of his sins? Excuse me, you just said born blind. An infant who is born blind has not committed any sin. Unless you mean to say that in the womb, in the nine months of the gestation period, the baby committed some sins. So it hit me, my goodness. Uh, with all due respect, the apostles were speaking rubbish. I don't say that in a high-minded fashion. I'm happy to note that the apostles can be very irrational before the day of Pentecost, just like us. Can we say just like us? We are no different than them. They were men of like passions as we are. But do, do you notice what I'm saying? Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? It's absurd when you think about it. Why would they say, Lord, did this man sin? Excuse me. He was born blind. When did he have time to sin? <laughs> so, you see, this shows that we human beings, including ones with nice titles like apostle, we can very easily misdiagnose what God is doing. Please do not be offended if a pastor, a man of God, a medical doctor will misdiagnose your problem. The apostles misdiagnosed the problem of this man who was born blind. They knew he's born blind, but they assume somehow 
that it was some sin that he did. Look, we are not Hindus. We don't believe in the law of karma. Karma basically is a law that says, you know, there is this law of you reap what you sow and a person lives many lives. Basically, uh, you could have the, this boy, this man could have done something evil in his last life. So he's come back in this life to pay for it. We don't believe in that doctrine. So I am glad in a sense that the apostles gave expression to our own superstitions and misunderstandings of the acts of God. As I said, obviously a baby born blind would not have had the opportunity to sin and hence suffer blindness as a punishment for sins. But let me say this. In one sense, we are all born blind because we are all born in sin. Let's turn to the book of Psalm chapter 51 and verse 5. Psalm 51 and verse 5. When David was full of remorse because of his sin against Bathsheba, he tells God, he says, uh, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. This is one of the scriptures that we use to um, promote the understanding that we all have inherited sin from Adam and Eve. There are two types of sin for which we must repent. One is the inherited sin. All you need to do to be a sinner is to just be born. So David says, in sin did my mother conceive me. I know some Christians who misunderstood this or rather twisted, sorry to say, to imply that David's mother committed adultery. <laughs> now that that's a, a, a you really have to um, stretch the imagination, and uh, you you mean to say all of David's brothers were born, um, you know, in in a what shall we say biblically correct manner? I mean, uh, not in an illicit manner, and he's the only one whose mother committed adultery, and so he was. That's not what he's trying to say. He is saying here, he is in the spirit, and he's speaking about inherited sin. In sin did my mother conceive me. So we know today, the moment we are born, we are carrying the nature of sin inherited from Adam and Eve. So Jesus himself corrected the understanding of the apostles. In John chapter 9 and verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Praise God. Amen. Listen carefully. Let me repeat it again. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents. We should be careful where we lay the blame. 
when we see things go wrong in the lives of people, don't jump to conclusions that they are some, you know, dreadful sinners of some sort. No. That's why God was angry with Job's friends. Because they were just throwing around blame without any understanding of the origin of the problem. But Jesus tells us here that basically God is looking for opportunities to be glorified in us. Ah, somebody shout hallelujah. When some bad thing happens to us, we should learn to say, ah, God will now be glorified in me. This is an opportunity for Jesus to be glorified in my life. Why do we jump to conclusions? This, this man was innocent. His parents were innocent. But the apostles wanted to know. Uh, somebody had to sin. Somebody had to sin. Was it him, Lord, or was it his parents? Which one sinned? <laughs> no one sinned, Jesus said. Amen. This man was born blind so that God would be magnified and glorified in him. Now somebody may argue with God and say, excuse me, but, but Lord, uh, please don't choose me to be blind or lame so that you can be glorified. I, I, no, no. I, I, I want a good life from the beginning. Listen, can we have enough faith in our God to trust him? Are we able to say, thy will be done, O Lord? I don't understand why I'm blind. I don't understand why I'm lame. I don't understand why you chose me. Why didn't you choose the family of uh, someone else? Look at that family. They, they seem to have so many blessings. Can you not choose them to be glorified through? <laughs> you see, this is how we sometimes want to reason with God. But listen. Not many people get to be recorded in the Bible. Amen. Do you want to be given a special mention in God's own book? Then let us accept. If God, imagine when this father and mother received their baby and then they realized the baby is blind. I can imagine they cried. They must have felt there's a curse upon them. They must have been so sad. They must have begun to doubt themselves. But they could not see at that time that one day a chapter in the Bible, John chapter 9, will be dedicated to this family. Oh, hallelujah. You see, it depends how you want to look at a problem. Is the glass half empty or half full? What do you see? If you're an optimistic person, you would say the glass is half full. But if you're negative, you always say, well, why is the glass half empty? So let us see the, let us believe in every tragedy, every problem. We are the people of God. Jesus will glorify himself. God has not chosen us to inflict pain upon us. He chose us so he may be glorified in us. So whatever happens, let's always say Romans 8, 28. For all, we know that all things work together for good to them who love God and are the called according to his purposes. God has a purpose in our lives. Amen. Amen. Let's continue.
evil and suffering do not exist because they're God's will, but because they are opportunities for God to demonstrate his power to subdue them and liberate us in Jesus' name. Amen. In other words, we ought not to complain, be bitter, or even worse, to blame God for such ills. But we should allow these sufferings to take us to the Lord Jesus. Amen. Because this is the reason Jesus came. This is why God was manifest in the flesh. He came to specialize in our problems. Amen. Every other human being who's lived, I mean, every human being who's lived at some point specialized in some trade, did something useful, but only God came into this world and specialized in our problems. Amen. God didn't come into this world to become a carpenter. He came into this world to be our savior. He's the only one who had such a job. No one could fulfill that job except God. When we meet Jesus, if you had asked him, uh, excuse me, what work do you do? He would say, I save you. I save human beings. That's my job. The savior of the world. Emmanuel, God with us. Hallelujah. What a unique job. Only one person could have this job. Only one person could fulfill that task of saving humans. That is Jesus. No one else. Amen. There's only one Jesus. There's only one such job. And that's why when Jesus came of age, in Luke 4.18, Luke 4.18, he himself read the mission of his life. The mission, the job description, the mission of his life was recorded in Isaiah. 700 years before, God already mentioned his, his mission, his job description. And he read it out in a synagogue in Nazareth. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Hallelujah. I would have given anything to hear Jesus thunder these words from the synagogue. The most powerful utterance ever by a man. But this was no ordinary man. This is God manifest in the flesh. He thundered his mission. Every demon in hell shook that day. Because God finally was in action. God was on the move. God sent a message to the kingdom of darkness. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise Jesus. Whenever the enemy troubles you, read the mission statement of Jesus out to the devil. Remind the devil, my savior is still working. He has not decommissioned himself. Listen, hallelujah. Jesus is saying to you, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. It sent me to heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind. Listen, blind man of John chapter nine, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Praise God, hallelujah. Mm. 
my Jesus is still working. Can you say with me, my Jesus is still fulfilling Luke chapter 4, hallelujah, and verse 18. He is still working. He is still delivering us. Hallelujah. Amen. Take comfort in this fact. Jesus is still working. Now, let's continue in the story. What happened? Well, the Lord met this blind man. And the Lord took some mud. He spat upon the mud. He patted it, rolled it into a lump of clay. And he applied it on the eyes of the blind man. You know what Jesus was doing, in my opinion? He was demonstrating in this particular mode of acting that he was the same God who made man from the dust. And now he heals man with the same dust combined with the spirit that comes out of his mouth, with the issue that comes out of his mouth. Have we forgotten in Genesis 2, 7, the Bible says, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Oh, wow. Hallelujah. Think about it. How were we created? Say with me. God took dust and from him, something came out. Spirit. Bam. When he put the two together, <laughs> God said, this is good. So Jesus is now showing the world. He is the same creator. Amen. He is repairing what he made. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus repairs what he makes. He took dust. From his mouth, say the breath of God. Say the breath of God. The spit of Jesus is the breath of God. Amen. It is healing. It is the life of God. So from his mouth, he took liquid. Hallelujah. Say life-giving liquid. Amen. <laughs> Anything that comes out of my God is life. It is healing. It is restoration. He combined it with the dust. He put it together. He put it on the eyes of this man and the man was healed. He could see. Praise God. <laughs> Jesus is God. Jesus is the creator. Can we rejoice? Do you see that all things were made by him? Do you see that everything in heaven and earth is made by him? We always talk about Jesus being the savior, but don't forget he's a creator. Before he was a savior, he was a creator. If he's not the creator, he has nothing to save. He is saving that which he created. Come on, hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Say with me, Jesus created me and he is now saving me. Some people think that God the Father created us and now God the Son is saving us. Excuse me. I, we don't know such a doctrine. He is the everlasting Father. And he is also... Emmanuel, God with us. He's also our Savior. He's Jesus. He's Yehoshua. Jehovah has become my Savior. He was my creator before. Now he is my healer. He's my Savior. Oh, praise God. If we don't know God, Jesus as our creator, we cannot know him as our Savior. And if you know him as your Savior, you should know him as your creator. The same God who says in the book of Revelations, Behold, I make all things new. 
<laughs> Hallelujah. I get excited. There's nothing that makes me more excited than Jesus. Can we shout hallelujah? Oh, hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Amen. Praise Jehovah who has become my Savior. Amen. Jehovah who has become my Savior. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Come on. Praise God. Jesus is our creator. He doesn't need to take dust and do all these things. But he's trying to give us a message. We were made from dust. Amen. Remember, remember. Hallelujah. So he takes the dust. He spits. He's showing I can repair you. He could put it anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. You know the glue that we buy. That super glue. Yeah. It says you can fix anything. Jesus is using dust like super glue. He said, what's your problem? He could apply it anywhere. <laughs> Hallelujah. He could give you a new ear, a new mouth. Amen. A new nose. Praise God. A new, new hearing, new everything. Ah, heal. Perfect that which you created, oh my God. Amen. Perfect that which you have created, oh my, oh my God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Can we tell Jesus, when you need healing, say to him, Oh, my creator, please perfect that which you made in the beginning. Ah, hallelujah. You know why it became corrupted? Because of sin. But in the beginning, I mean, Adam must have had super hearing. I'm sure Adam, look, if, if uh, these animals, you know, the, the lion can see very well at night. That's why I don't want to be in the jungle near him at night. He can see me from many kilometers away. Uh, you know, some animals can smell like the bear. The bear can smell kilometers away. Don't you think God gave us a better smell than what we have now and better hearing in the beginning? That's why God said in the beginning, it is very good. I'm telling you, the Adam God created in the beginning is nothing compared to the Adam that we are today or the Eves we are today. Those people were super human beings. God makes good things. So God repairs that which he makes. He's just healing what he made. Amen. Oh, bless his name. Bless his name. What a great creator. What a mighty God. So, humans are a product of the earth touched by the breath of God. What are humans? Say, so we are a product of the earth touched by the breath of God. In the beginning, God created us. But through Jesus, he walked the earth, repairing, healing, and saving that which he made with his own breath. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. Ooh. Job chapter three, 33, verse 4. Job chapter 33, verse 4. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Mm, praise God. Praise God. The breath of God had made. Please never forget Jesus. That's why I started in the beginning today by saying, brothers and sisters, I have a very deep, um, a profound understanding, sensitivity to the fact that I'm in total death to my God. I live, I move, I have my being in him. He's my creator. I, I respect him for that with every fiber of my being. 
I can't, I don't have words to explain what I feel. But I hope you feel the same. He's my God. He's my creator. I must serve him. I must thank him for allowing me to be born, allowing me to, to speak, allowing me to exist. It's not a small thing to be the creator. He's great. We, If nothing else, we have to glorify him for just the creation. And now Jesus came and he was demonstrating his creative power. He just took dust, put it on his eyes, spat. When the earth touches God, life comes. Hallelujah. So Jesus did this because Jesus is God. The only one and true God. His acts confirm his identity. Which, it was why, which was why he always made a, a huge commotion wherever he meant, went. You know, all that he was doing was just being true to himself. You know, God can only behave as God. Yeah? Well, what do you want? Why, why, was, why were the people angry, disturbed? Excuse me. He's telling you that he's God. You're not listening. And then when he begins to behave like God, the God that he is, you get shocked and you say, and then, you know, all kinds of hell breaks loose. Excuse me. Can you please listen to what he's saying? He's saying he's God. So don't be surprised when he begins to walk around and do the things that only God can do. Are you with me? <laughs> Praise God. You know, Jesus would tell people who he is. They're not listening. Then he goes and raises the dead. And he goes and does things that only God can do. And then they wonder, what? Excuse me, they say, who are you? Who healed you? That man is a sinner. Do you want to argue with his works? Do you want to argue with his power? That's why Jesus got tired of these people. And he would listen to them, argue with them. And it's actually, is it easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee or Pick up your bed and go and walk. So they couldn't, they want to argue with his words, but they cannot argue with his power. It's better that we accept his words and his power. The two go together. He's God. He can only behave as God. Hallelujah. I've asked some Muslims before. Do you believe Jesus is God? They said, never. Do you believe he raised people from the dead? Yes. Did Muhammad raise people from the dead? No. You say Jesus did mighty miracles, yeah? Don't you acknowledge that these miracles can only be done by God? No other prophet did them. Yeah, but that is by the leave of Allah. You know, They love that word, the leave of Allah. That means by the mercy of Allah. Uh, that's where we beg to differ. Jesus does the works he does because he is, he cannot deny his identity. He's God. He can only behave as God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We acknowledge he's God. You see, this is where the paradox is. The problem was that the people he walked among were not prepared to hear that he was God. But they demanded to know why he could do the works that only God could do. <laughs> Hallelujah, man. You know, there's some questions you can never answer. 
because you give them the answer and they're not listening. If you begin with the right answer, everything else will work out. Jesus is God. Begin there. Now try. From there, see if everything works. Let's see John chapter 9, verse 18. John chapter 9 and verse 18. We'll continue in the story. John 9, 18 says, But the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind and received a sight, until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. This is the definition of sin, brothers and sisters. That somebody went and witnessed to the Jews and told them, this man standing before you was blind. But Jesus of Nazareth opened his eyes. And the Jews who heard this said, no, we don't believe in this witness. Even though the man is standing in front of us, we don't believe in it. That is how callous the heart can become. That is how evil the heart can become. Good people will listen to a good witness. May God give us the heart of the Bereans, the Berean Jews who were more noble, Luke said, than other Jews at other places, because they searched the scriptures to see if these things were so. When somebody comes with the testimony of Jesus, please don't de deny as if by default, oh, who did the miracle? Jesus. No, no, I can't believe it. I don't believe this man was born blind. You know, that day, that formerly blind man, I'm sure began to understand something is weird with human beings. What? Nobody believes I was blind? You know, if it was not the fact that he could, he could see, I'm sure he would doubt himself. Yeah, was I really born blind? Was I the beggar begging all these years? Because nobody seems to believe that I was born blind. Wow. God have mercy. It should want to make us cry. No wonder. Do you understand the kind of generation and people Jesus was working in the midst of? He sighed many times. A man of sor sorrows. Who has believed our report, Isaiah says? There's something wrong with us. Something wrong with us. We need to cry for this something wrong with us. They refuse to give Jesus the glory. There are some people today. Some people around you today. They acknowledge that something truly miraculous has happened in your life. They notice that you are full of love. You are peaceful. You are filled with hope. Like the blind man, they realize, oh, you no longer a beggar. You are not helpless anymore. Because Jesus has done, given you your eyesight back. And you can do better things because Jesus has been around in your life. But still, they don't want to give glory to Jesus. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, we have, uh, you know, that sister in our family. Yeah, We, we have uh, brother Merawi in our family. Yeah, we, we know they talk about Jesus. and well, But uh, we don't believe it. But, but do you see that life has changed? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you noticed they, they don't go around uh, screaming and beating people, <laughs> drinking alcohol and making everybody miserable? Yeah, yeah, we noticed this change. Uh, and, and who did they say did it? They, they say Jesus did it. 
And what's your problem then with Jesus? Ah, no way. You know, I, I can't believe that Jesus does these things. This is the world we are living in. This is the world that the blind man was struggling with. He realized people don't really want to know who healed him. If the man would have said, Gamaliel healed me, they would be very happy. Hayafas healed me. But Jesus of Nazareth? No, we don't believe him. But uh, could you please get the eye doctor? Let's confirm that this man has 20-20 vision. And let's get 50 witnesses and begin with his parents. We don't want to know. May God deliver us from this thing in Jesus' name. This is wickedness. So let's continue. Now, remember what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, because I'm saying Jesus changes. For those of us who are not cynics, those of us who are not uh, naysayers, those of us who are not unbelievers, those who are quick to believe and quick to say, my Lord and my God, amen. Those of us who are not doubting promises. The Apostle Paul reminds the Corinthians, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11, let me remind you as I remind myself, Paul says, know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. And we shout, such were some of us. But you are washed. Woo. I'm washed. You are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Oh, wow. Hallelujah. Let's not forget such were some of us. Please let it be in the past tense. Let it always be in the past tense in Jesus' name. Such were some of us. Amen. But not since Jesus came into our lives. Amen. Praise God. Since Jesus came into my life. Amen. There's that old hymn. Praise God. Things have changed. Had the Jews believed that Jesus was God, they would have had no problem believing that he could change the life of the blind man. No wonder they kept inquiring of the Lord about his identity after this. Yeah. Even before this, look at John chapter 8, verse 25. John chapter 8, verse 25. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? <laughs> and Jesus said unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. Hmm. Uh, who are you again? From the beginning, he's been telling them. They probably have asked him 5,000 times by now. You see, the problem is when he told them who he is, they were not willing to accept. So they keep repeating. So every time he does a miracle, they ask, come back and say, who are, who are you again? It says, the same person I've been telling you from the beginning. Amen. The wonderful, the counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And they say, no, sorry, we, we can't believe that. Then again, he goes and does something mighty. They come, come back and say, who are you again? <laughs> Praise Jesus. The apostle Paul asked Jesus only once on the road to Damascus. Only one time in his life. Who are you, Lord? One time is enough. Amen.
We don't want to be spiritually deaf. May Jesus speak one time and we believe it. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Finish. Basta. Hallelujah. Now, next question. What will you have me do? Because I already finished with who you are. And what did he write after that? In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Hallelujah. Amen. God, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Praise God. You see, the Jews asked for thousands of times, who are you? And they never declared who he is. The apostle Paul asked one time, who are you, Lord? And he wrote thousands of times about who Jesus is. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. May we ask Jesus just one time, who are you? And may we write books declaring his glory. Amen. Ascribing to him soul divinity. Amen. Praise God. So, those who don't want to accept who Jesus is will always get confused at his works and keep coming back to him to say, who are you? So now the, they decided because this issue was troubling them too much, they couldn't sleep. As long as there is a blind man, a formerly blind man whose eyes are open, and he's going around saying, Jesus, heal me, and everybody's talking about it, they couldn't sleep. So they decided in John chapter 9, verse 20 and 21, the Bible says, his parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. Oh, praise God. <laughs> you see, let me say this to you. Please listen carefully. There is a testimony for Jesus that only the person healed and saved by Jesus can give. Even parents cannot share this testimony. Can somebody say amen? We must all speak for ourselves. Hallelujah. The parents were limited. The parents said only two things. One, uh, yes, this is our son. Uh, we can confirm that for you. Amen. That one, we are sure about. This is our son. Two, we can confirm he was born blind. But more than that, we can't say anything. Well, by the way, why don't you ask him? He, he's old enough. He's old enough. He's of age. Talk to him. In the same way, brothers and sisters. Let me tell you. Do you know what was happening? These parents actually were so afraid of the Jews. They, they were afraid that they would be uh, uh, basically expelled from the Jewish community. Did you know that? If they would say that Jesus is God or divine or even if he's a prophet, he's a great man, they would Throw them out of the Jewish society. And then you basically have no life. Your name will be struck off. The register. In the synagogue. You can't do anything in life. So they were so afraid. They realized there is real hatred against Jesus of Nazareth. So they decided. Son. Sorry. But we can't help you son. Son. I hope you understand our predicament. Um, anyway, you were a beggar all these years. Let me tell you, something is not right about this parenthood here. 
I hope you understand what I'm saying. And I'm not the only one. I notice other Bible scholars also wondered about this because this boy was a, he was a beggar. Uh, excuse me? You would get the impression that the parents were always with him. And no, they would leave him somewhere, perhaps. Or they were not even with him. Because it doesn't make sense. Why is it they don't support him to fight against all these rumors and hatred against Jesus and say, excuse me, our son has not done anything wrong. It's not his fault that he was born blind. Yeah. And, and he's our son after all. And we will suffer with him. No, they abandoned him. He said, we, we don't know. We only know he's our son. He was blind. That's all. They took the path of least resistance. There is a very sad side to the story. And let me come to my point. I'm telling you, when it comes to your testimony for Jesus, you cannot outsource it to anyone else. You must stand up and be counted. You have received salvation from Jesus. You speak. Forget parents. Forget children. Forget neighbors and relatives. Forget pastor. Forget bishop. Forget friends. Forget brothers and sisters. It's you and Jesus. I'm saying this because it happened to me. I come from a Muslim background. I was 15 years old. When my family stood there. And basically excommunicated me. And said, you are evil. And there were imams surrounding me. I'll never forget the trauma that I went through. No one supported me, brothers and sisters. I was 15 years old, probably younger than this man. And I remember looking at them. I didn't have a friend in this world. There was no pastor. I didn't know what a pastor is. I didn't even know what a Bible is. All I knew is I saw Jesus. And I'm telling you, his love turned my life upside down. There has been no and there can never be a more powerful thing that happened to me in my life. I'm not exaggerating. This is my life. It's my testimony. It's my story. Hallelujah. I will speak for myself. This is the message today. Speak for yourself in Jesus. Let nobody shut you down when you speak for Jesus. When everybody's talking, tell them silence. Amen. You're all talking about me. Yeah. Everybody's talking about me. Was I blind? Was I not blind? Is this the same person? Not the same. You know, some people are saying this is not the same person. Can you imagine? No, he's not the same person. The guy is listening to all of them. What? My goodness. This world is crazy. We have to stop them. Say, quiet. Let me speak for myself. And I remember at the age of 15, 1986, telling all those, uh, the Inquisition, I call them. They came to make my life miserable. I couldn't sleep. They troubled me, tell me I'm going to hell and this, that, that. And, and I just said, listen, if you people had met Jesus, 
You would all be Christians. You cannot resist the love of Jesus. There is no force in this world that can resist the love of Jesus. I'm telling you that. You may be surprised to hear. But my testimony is the most dangerous weapon Jesus has is his love. Nobody can resist that love. My goodness. You will surrender. Doesn't matter what you call yourself. Buddhist, Muslim, atheist. When, you, when Jesus is finished with you, you will say, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. <laughs> you will be overpowered by his love. Jesus' most powerful weapon is his love. Listen to me. I'm a Christian today. 36, 37 years later, because that love of Jesus conquered me. That love made me understand, and I don't doubt for one second, that he is God. Because I met him. Other people can say what they want. I will say what I experienced when I met Jesus. So, this young, this man who was born blind when Jesus healed him, when he heard his parents speak, he knew he's alone. They were not going to defend him. They were probably there when Jesus took the clay and put on his eyes. I'm not sure. In fact, probably they were not there because they said we are, how he was healed. We don't know. Doesn't matter. They should know a miracle happened and their son must have told them, Yahshua ben Nasri, that's what they said. Jesus of Nazareth healed me. It's not a mystery. But people don't like the name of Jesus, some people. When I told my family, do you see anything bad happen to me? Are you worried for me? Why, why are you worried for me? They even said, no, you seem to have become a nice person. Thank you. Thank Jesus. Hallelujah. So relax. If I became a horrible person, if I'm starting to become murderous, and suicidal, then you should try to deliver me from this Jesus. But according to their own testimony, I seem to have become a very nice person. So maybe you should try to find out who Jesus of Nazareth is. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ah. Jesus is wonderful. He's the best thing that happened to me. And that's why I cannot stop talking about him and Bringing people to salvation. I was so happy when Brother Ephraim told me two, three days ago that one Pastor Jeremy is probably the second or the third leader in Ivory Coast, one of the bishops. He's been baptized in Jesus' name recently. Uh, three weeks after we left. They were listening to us. Almost 30 people are baptized in Jesus' name in Ivory Coast. We told, we spoke to the ministers, to everybody about baptism in Jesus' name. The one God doctrine, all of these things. And God is giving us results till now. And I remember that Pastor Jeremy was saying yesterday, he was a very humble man. At the airport when they came and they found out that uh, they were giving me problems, they wanted to send me back because they said, oh, you should have gotten a visa before you came. But I told them I Googled and uh, I, what I found out was I was supposed to get it at the airport. Anyhow, if you're not sending me back, God bless you. I, It's not God's will. But these pastors came and this Pastor Jeremy went on his knees to hold the feet of the policeman. Even the policeman was shocked. He went down on his knees and told him, no, no, you know, you're a bishop. You shouldn't do this. 
And I remember he was a very humble man. So I'm not surprised. The humble people receive the truth. So I'm very happy that after many, many years, we are still traveling and telling people, Jesus is the Savior. Be baptized in the name of Jesus. Yeah, this is a dream come true. It's the mission of my life. It's the reason for which Jesus came to me at the age of 15. Amen. Jesus comes to people, especially when he has a work for you, and he will commission you. Amen. Don't worry about what people will say. That we are reading in the story now that all the people, including the parents of this young man, seem to be trying to distance themselves from him. Don't worry. Let family distance themselves from him. Jesus will come back to you. Jesus healed him and Jesus came back to him. <laughs> Amen. Jesus will not abandon you. He will not leave nor forsake you. I can tell you after all these years, Jesus never abandoned you. He's closer to me than even my own breath. Hallelujah. God bless. Amen. Sorry to if I spend too much time on my own testimony. It's because Jesus gives us our own testimonies. Look, look at the Bible. What is the Bible? It's a book of testimonies, by the way. Yeah? What, what is the Bible? It is Peter talking about how he met Jesus. It's Paul talking about how he met Jesus. Everybody. You know, somebody says, yes, the Bible is 66 books. But I'll tell you what. The Bible is billions of books of people who Jesus is touching till today. Amen. All our stories could have been included in the Bible for the glory of Jesus. Amen. So, we must all speak for ourselves. There is a great danger of allowing others to represent what Jesus has done for us. Look at John chapter 9, verse 9. John chapter 9, verse 9. Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. But he said, I am he. <laughs> you know, it becomes comical. You know, the Bible has a sense of humor. Because John is writing, what a, what a mess. Look at these people. Because they hate Jesus so much, some say, he looks like him. <laughs> Others said, he is him. So the parents could only confirm two facts. He was their son and that he was born blind. The rest was for the son to declare. Can you say, the world will say this about me? The world will say that about me? But the rest is for me to declare. Testify, sister. Testify, brother. Amen. I love the black American tradition where they talk about testifying. Amen. Ain't no one seen the trouble I've seen. Amen. Let people talk for themselves. Let them speak for themselves. What is in your heart? What did Jesus do for you? Amen. Don't let other people hijack your testimony. Amen. They could not see through his eyes. The parents cannot see through the eyes of the son, literally. They were not eye doctors to confirm one way or the other. So they put all, all the burden on their son. Similarly, Jesus expects every individual to declare what he has done for him. Jesus will not permit others to speak for you. Only you can glorify the Lord when you open your mouth. Amen. That is why I've always prayed to the Lord and said for many years, before you take me, Jesus, 
if you will, please, let me go to all countries in the world to let them know what you've done for me. And I'm happy to tell you the list is growing. Amen. It won't be long before I'm up to almost 40 countries of having told so many countries my testimony, including Ivory Coast, where I was lost. I always love to begin with how Jesus saved me. How Jesus saved me. How Jesus saved me. Amen. I will never forget. This is my blessing. Do you remember when Jesus met you? Do you remember when he saved you? The blind man could never forget. Amen. The encounter with Jesus. Saul of Tarsus could never forget on the road to Damascus. He told kings. He told everybody. He told the Galatians. He told the Corinthians. He told the Romans. He told Caesar on the road to Damascus. I used to persecute the people of this way. Please listen to me. I'm not paid by the Christians. I hated these people. I used to kill them. But on the road to Damascus, to kill them, the heavens opened. Hallelujah. A bright light. I became blind. Imagine a man who not only sees a blind, blind, blinding, bright light, he becomes literally blind. Jesus made him blind. My God, hallelujah. Sometimes before Jesus will heal us, he has to make us blind. Before he can deliver us, he has to put us in great tribulation. Saul of Tarsus could have been blind the rest of his life. But see the mercy of Jesus. Jesus did not open his eyes. Jesus told him, go to the people whom you are killing. They will pray for you. They will show you love, the love which you don't know, the love of Jesus, his, Jesus' his love. And when they will pray for you and forgive you, I will heal you. Wow. Wow. See how Jesus teaches love to a man of hatred? Oh, hallelujah. I could go on talking about Jesus uh, forever. <laughs> Never get tired. He's great. We don't have words to describe his personality. That's why we preach for hours to try to do justice, in a feeble justice to how, how good he is. Jesus said, go to them. They will pray for you, the people who you hate. And then I will heal you, open your eyes. Jesus is, he's wonderful. He's, the, you know, when I, I met him, but then later when I studied about him, I said, my goodness, uh, there's no way I can resist this guy. L look at what I'm reading. Yes, in my vision, he was really full of love. That love was incredible. I'm telling you, I didn't know what a Bible is. I was not religious anything. I was not looking for religion. I was looking for the truth or the what is behind the veil of this life. I, I was just looking for meaning in life. And then Jesus comes to me. And I found everything in him. Everything. What did Jesus do for you? What did he say to you? How did he save you? What difference did he make in your life? These are the questions for you. And for me. 
Only we can glorify the Lord when we open our mouths. Amen. I have told people, Muslims, about how I came to Jesus and I saw tears in their eyes. I remember a group of people in uh, Sweden once, Gavla or some place outside of Stockholm. And I was telling them about my testimony. And I saw the people crying. I had to stop. I realized this affected them. People are looking for what I have experienced. Jesus can give you the same experience. If you, I don't know who may be listening to this, not just the audience here, but can we all just close our eyes for a moment? I feel to pray in my spirit. Jesus, I call upon your name. Jesus, if there is somebody right now who is on the verge of breaking, breaking to their own lives of sin, the dam is about to burst because you are convicting a soul. I call upon your name, sweet Jesus. You came into this world to seek and to save that which was lost, Jesus. Draw this, O oh Jesus, as only you can draw, Jesus. Let this be the day, the time, the hour, the minute for them to stop living life on their own terms and now surrender to you, Jesus. Sweet Jesus, receive this person, I pray you. Receive this person, I pray you today. Hallelujah. Flood their lives with your love, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Soothe their souls. Amen. Let your spirit flow like holy oil, soothing oil, the balm of Gilead into every crack of their soul in the name of Jesus. Bring healing, repair Jesus. Heal Jesus. Re accept their repentance, Jesus. Hallelujah. In your holy name I pray. In your holy name I pray. Let them know you are the only God, the only true God. Let them understand the need for baptism in your name, Jesus, and the need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You are the Holy Ghost, Jesus. And the church says, Amen, Amen, Amen. Let me be, I'll be concluding soon, but thank God the blind man was of age. Jesus wisely waited for him to be of age before he healed him. He spoke for himself and he did not abandon the Lord. We are also of age, brothers and sisters. Amen. Say, I'm of age to speak for Jesus. I'm of age. That means I'm mature enough. I have enough experiences. I don't, nobody can cheat me. I know it was Jesus who did it. Amen. Don't come with any, some cheap philosophy here. Don't try to come with some cheap psychology. Jesus healed me. Jesus saved me. Amen. That's my story. I am of age. I can speak for myself. Praise God. Hallelujah. We are also of age. We will not back off and desert the Lord. Amen. You remember the man who was filled with the demon called demons called Legion in the gatherings? In Mark chapter 5 and verse 19, the Bible says, How be it Jesus suffereth him not, not but said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath compassion upon thee. This is the will of Jesus. There are too many people just wanting to go to church. 
That's nice. But you also have to go and tell other people what Jesus has done for you. Amen. Jesus has enough apostles. Amen. We need people to now go to these uh, these people of the gatherings. They cast Jesus out. These people were not Jews. They kept pigs. That proves they were not Jews. Jesus knew he has no access to them. So at that time, before the resurrection, so he told this man, please be here. Be my hands here. Be my feet here. Be my voice here. Jesus needs us. There are places today where Jesus has put us, not by accident. We are his feet there. We are his eyes there. We are his blessing there. Amen. The blind man was only healed by the Lord. He did not know who the Lord was. So the Lord returned to reveal his identity. Please listen carefully. Many people are touched by Jesus, but they don't know who Jesus is. Don't deny when somebody says, uh, Jesus did a miracle. Some of us like to say, excuse me, are you baptizing Jesus? Eh? And the guy says, did you hear what I'm saying? I was blind. Jesus opened my eyes. Uh, I'm not sure Jesus opened your eyes because you don't seem to know that baptism is in the name of Jesus. You know, that's how we begin to sound sometimes. Let's first glorify God for all that he does. If somebody testifies and say, says, ah, Jesus came and opened my eyes. Let's not start giving them some, you know, like a military drill, like officers, you know, blah, 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 orders. You believe in one God? People in baptism? First rejoice with them. Hallelujah. Now, do you know who healed you? Do you know him? And the man said, I really don't know him. Let, let, you understand what I'm trying to say? <laughs> May God help us. Sometimes we, we, we become legalistic. We become pharisaical. We become just, you know, uh, excuse me, paragraph 9a, paragraph this. Let's rejoice first. This man was innocent. He's a very honest man. Have you noticed that? He doesn't like drama. He doesn't like to exaggerate. He just speaks his, what, what happened. That's all. Very simple guy. Let's read John chapter 9, verses 35, 36, 37 to 30, and 38. John 9, 35 to 38. John 9, 35 to 38 says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, can we say when he had found him? Jesus will find you. He will find you. Amen. Praise God. When he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Oh, hallelujah. He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh talk with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Wow. <laughs> you see, there are some people who are just ready for harvesting. Behold, the fields are white. It's harvest time. A man was ready for good soil, a good heart. Praise God. Jesus heard they cast him out of the synagogue. Excuse me, why did you cast him out of the synagogue? What evil thing did he do? Um, you see, we asked him, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. That's what the Jews said to him. And you know what the man said? He said, look, um, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and I was healed. He healed him. 
For that, they cast him out of the synagogue. <laughs> you know, Jesus can bring you back from the dead and people will say, we wish you would stay dead. We, were, we, 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 we wish you were, better, you, you were better off dead. That's the cruelty in the hearts of people. The man didn't do anything wrong. They cast him out of the synagogue because he said, uh, I don't know whether he's a sinner. Look, he's a, he was a blind man. How does he? He doesn't even know who Jesus is. And even if he knew, he would have to, it would be better if he had his eyesight so he could, you know, observe whether Jesus is a sinner or not. He said, as far as I know, as a blind man, I, 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 don't, I, I never heard the man sinning. <laughs> Praise God. You know, they put him in an impossible situation. The world wants to put us in an impossible situation with Jesus. Let them cast us out of their synagogues. Let them do what they want. Send us to the moon. We'll come back and say, Jesus is God. Listen to what he did. Hallelujah. We will never be silenced in Jesus. So, what an amazing story. This man was persecuted for Jesus when he didn't even know Jesus. How much more will they persecute you when you know Jesus? Can you imagine you are thrown out of the synagogue? You are persecuted just because you are healed. You don't know who healed you. You don't know anything about his name or who he is. And for that, you are suffering. <laughs> oh, praise God. It gets more and more absurd. But it tells us something about when you want to follow Jesus of Nazareth, don't expect the world to clap for you. You will be waiting a long time. Just speak for yourself. Testify. Be a witness. Hallelujah. Amen. So, more important than the healing is the revelation of who Jesus is. It is clear that the formerly blind man believed that the Lord Jesus was God or he would not have worshipped him. Ah, are you with me? Can somebody say hallelujah? The man first received his physical eyes back. Then he received spiritual eyesight. That is the best. Because he worshipped Jesus. The Bible says, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. We worship Jesus because he is the one true God of Israel, according to Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And Jesus told Satan, because Satan seems to crave worship, which is why he became Satan and is going into the lake of fire. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And we tell Satan and we tell everybody who cares to hear, we only worship Jesus. We don't worship anyone else. Because he alone is God to us, as the Bible declares. Son of God means that he is the flesh and blood of Jehovah himself. The one God is now manifest in his own body, made of his own word. The word was made flesh. John chapter 1 verses 1 and verse 14. This revelation must be believed and confessed. Confessed. God works many miracles for the flesh so we can live more comfortably on this earth. But the greatest miracle is the salvation of the soul so we can live in heaven forevermore. 
do you want Jesus to heal your flesh so that you live for a few years on this earth in comfort? Or do you want Jesus to heal your soul also so you can live in comfort on this earth and forever in heaven? Say, Jesus, give me both. Both. In Norwegian, we say, Ole Brum says, There's a, a, a fable, a children's fable, and there's this teddy bear who says, basically, um, when he was offered a choice, uh, <laughs> two good things, said, yeah, yeah, thank you. I'll take both of them. Amen. So we take healing of the flesh and healing for the spirituals forever. Amen. Both. The blind man was not afraid of the Jews who claimed that Jesus was a sinner. He was not intimidated by anyone. In John 9, 25, he said, he answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know. That whereas I was blind, now I see. For this he was cast out of the synagogue. Why will a sinner heal a beggar who was born blind? Eh? Let me repeat my question. Why will a sinner heal a beggar who was born blind? <laughs> Does it make sense to you? No. A sinner will go and heal somebody famous so that they will glorify you, so that it will feed on your vanity, isn't it? Feed off your vanity. Jesus is not a sinner. Jesus is God. If he's looking for cheap attention, he would have gone and healed somebody in, in, in the household of uh, Pilate. He would have done miracles for show. But you know who God used his power upon? Beggars. People who cannot give him back anything. People who cannot do him any favors. This is my God. He's no discriminator of any person. He came to be with the lowliest of the low. He went to people who would be cast out of the synagogue. People who nobody would believe they would be healed. And he came to me also. He came to you also. <laughs> Praise God. Look at your calling, brethren. Not many wise, not many noble, not many, you know, according to the flesh. Praise God. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the things that are. That no flesh may glory in his presence. Wow. Hallelujah. Amen. Preach it. Apostle Paul. He's still preaching to us. So. Jesus did not even wait, wait to boast about this miracle. Did you notice? He just went humbly on his way. It was the Jews who whipped up attention and controversy around the miracle. We are not going to back off and desert the Lord. Say no, no, no. Let us all stand straight. And declare what the Lord has done for us. Indeed, we are of age. We are mature in the Lord and know his identity. We know his love. We know his compassion. Let us speak for ourselves about Jesus. Blessed be his name. And the church says, Amen.